This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's a very disturbing trend. While the economy as a whole is getting better, a new study from Toronto's Daily Bread Food Bank shows usage figures rising to levels not seen since the recession of 2010. Overall, food bank usage is up 9% year over year. The biggest increase is in Scarborough, where visits are up 30%. And the face of hunger is aging. The trend of more people 45 and over accessing food banks continued in 2017. In the last year alone, seniors 65 and over have been the fastest rising age group accessing food banks. And these people, the clients, have higher levels of education than they did 10 years ago, and a greater percentage have a disability or a serious illness. There's a lot to unpack here. The high cost of housing, the growing gap between rich and poor, and the way that a setback can kind of knock the stuffing out of your life. We are also going to be talking to uh, a pair of brothers who use the food bank. Uh, we want to hear from you. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. But right now, we go to Gail Nyberg, Executive Director of the Daily Bread Food Bank, and Richard Mater who is the author of the study. Hello. Hello, Libby. Hi there. Hi, great. Um, So first of all, uh, Gail, were you surprised by these results? You know, I think I was more shocked than surprised. Uh, A couple of other uh, food banks outside of Toronto had talked to me last year about that they were seeing more seniors. Uh, we, We didn't. And when Richard came to me about, you know, as the numbers came out, I, like, I, I think I was shocked more than surprised. It's just like, really? Seniors, people who have worked all their lives, are having to use food banks? Uh, what is the exact number of seniors using food banks here in Toronto? Richard? Yeah, we're looking at in, in the 4,000 range when we look at the period last year. And that was a 1,000 increase over the year before. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, it was. It is big, and when you, especially Libby, when you consider that you know the census that came out is saying that there are now more seniors in Canada than there are children. So this really doesn't have anywhere to go but up. Well, it, it's interesting because uh, I, I just on the weekend, just yesterday, we had a story kind of unpacking some of the numbers from the latest census, was which just came out, and it's kind of a, a, there's a duality. So on the one hand, and these numbers are backward looking because they're not from 2017 like yours are, but uh, on the one hand, you have more seniors living below the poverty line, but on the other hand, uh, s- seniors say who have one person who's still working or in, in other circumstances are doing better. I, I, I was looking at that on the weekend, and, and, and that 
jumped out at me too. So I think what the, the most interesting thing, I think, is that we, we keep hearing the economy is booming, the economy is doing well. Well, it is, but people in it aren't doing as well, or some people aren't. Those on the lower end of it are just not doing better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is that the explanation uh, for such a big growth in the, in the older age group, Richard? Well, what we saw in the last year in particular is we saw how vulnerable a group of people who are on fixed incomes, like seniors, are to sudden increases in the cost of living, like we saw in Toronto. So we heard from one senior whose rent went up $300. Of course, he wouldn't be able to uh, afford that sudden increase when, you're, when your income is, is, is only a, a certain amount year after year. Um, and then many seniors we're hearing about are giving up uh, food for, pres- for prescription drugs. So I think when you have the combination of factors, not to mention rising food costs, which we, which we have seen in the last couple of years. Yeah, Food, food's really gone up quite a bit. It sure has, and uh, people talk about that frequently. So with seniors, are particularly vulnerable because they, they are less likely to get sources of income from other sources such as, such as employment, um, in particular households where there's a single. So if it's just one person or an older couple, um, yeah, they'll definitely be more vulnerable to these rising costs and the greater health care needs. Uh, which which put them in an especially vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. It was it was interesting when I had the discussion uh, about the census numbers. One of the things came out. I mean, we're all living longer, so uh, the majority of seniors are still living in couples. But what happens is usually the man dies first, and when that happens, that really puts uh, older women and these are senior seniors at risk. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that, that's a, I believe they saw that in the census as well, which we've been seeing all along was singles uh, in particular are vulnerable and let alone single seniors. And uh, oh, singles, you mean overall in all age groups? Absolutely. Uh-huh. And, and do you see um, people who would be senior seniors, say in their 80s, are they getting to food banks as well? And according to our information, yeah, we're seeing people into their 80s having to make that trek. And that's another thing to note <laughs> is they talk about how food banks are not painting the full picture of, of the levels of food insecurity. And with seniors, that's especially pertinent because many may not be able to access the food bank. They could, may not have the, the ability to get there. There's accessibility issues in many cases to, to get to these places, um, cost of transportation. So what we're seeing is probably an underrepresentation of the actual levels of food insecurity among seniors out there. You know, uh, I think we have a caller who has an experience that's very relevant to just that point. Uh, AJ in Mississauga. Hello, AJ. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, let's hear your story, AJ. Thanks for calling. Yes, well, thank you. The, uh, the point is this, that I've been supplying my long-suffering uh, senior citizen mom with food from more than one food bank. She doesn't know that as far as I know. Uh, I'm in dire straits myself with certain conditions. And the fact is that, yes, this is how I've managed to feed her her dinner, um, well, for a couple, well, more than a few years now. The, it, it's simply, it's absolutely a, a necessity. It's a sad commentary indeed, but so it goes. Uh, well, uh, I guess on the bright side, I guess your your mom, how old is she, is is, is lucky that you're able to, to get that food for her. Indeed. Um, yeah, she's, uh, uh, well, she's in her 70s, and she fell down again last night. Down oh, at, no, sorry to hear that. Yeah, I know, that was the uh, the drama. But um, what can I say? Uh, 
yeah, I, I keep trying to feed her and regularly uh, as best I can. With and for what it's worth, it's it's really important to express the appreciation for certain places, say um, the Deacon's Cupboard in Mississauga and uh, the Salvation Army as well in Mississauga. May I, I plug them as it were? Uh, How sincerely I appreciate please, please the generosity. Do, please do. Um, uh, AJ, do you do you uh, use the food bank for yourself as well? Yes, like I say, whatever I make, I send up. Uh, I, I I share with my uh, with my mom. AJ, you're you're saying your mother doesn't realize what you're doing, though. Correct. Oh. And and you want to keep it that way, presumably. You bet. <laughs> uh, I think that brings up another uh, very important point, and and the guests that we're going to have on uh, shortly want to change that, and that that there's still such a stigma around this. It sucks to be poor, as it were. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no. The idea that I'm trying as best I can to, you know, how things turn around. That she, what can I say, raised me, and now in her latter years I'm trying to uh, do the best I can for her but I'm failing and wildly and that really stinks so yeah sadly these uh, these things such as food banks have become a monthly necessity well if, if you're if you're feeding her however you're not failing <laughs> I was going to say you're not failing you're not it? you're not failing you're doing well by her so it goes so it goes. AJ, thank you so much for sharing your story. Cheers for now. Okay, bye-bye. Wow. Um, Gail? Yeah, well, I'm kind of tearing up here. Yeah. Um, Richard, I mean, do, do you see a lot of people in that same situation? Oh, indeed. I think what we, what we heard about last year, um, the, the, we heard about parents who all the time who would get food from the food bank, but they wouldn't tell their children that the food was from the food bank. So we hear that a lot. Um, and then also the, and related to the stigma, um, we found this when I was trying to get somebody to speak about the situation um, in the 45 and up uh, category. She said, I can talk anonymously, but my family doesn't know. Um, so I don't want to be public about this. And I've heard that repeatedly. And I've also, in, in many cases, from what we hear from seniors, um, getting a senior to admit they're struggling is very difficult um, in many cases. They don't want to, they don't want to share this. Um, and uh, and the, the aspect of going hungry is, is something very personal. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an ongoing challenge. The fact, but what we're, you know, daily food banks are here to help. Daily Bread is here to help. But, but to share it publicly can be quite challenging. And, um, and, and kudos to the caller for, for sharing that. Yes, uh, kudos to the caller. And, and, you know, you can see from AJ's story that he's really doing his best. Yeah. He's doing his best, and and you know he's he's taking the stigma that it that shouldn't exist on himself and protecting his mother from it. Because I I, I share Richard's concern that there are that there are a lot more seniors that are hungry who aren't coming because of of you know capacity issues, but even more so the stigma. Yeah, um, and and Richard, I'd like to touch on something uh, that is in your report that that's interesting and that that might be helpful. And you are saying that there are a lot of seniors who are eligible for the guaranteed income supplement, which is there for them, but are not receiving it. 
Yeah, so when we uh, we looked at this more closely, we, we the average or the supposedly guaranteed income levels for seniors, um, let's say a single senior in Ontario, is, is over 1500 a month. Um, and that, that's something we have this when, with all the talk about those basic income programs. Um, and seen the, the one that we have in the country for seniors is, is cited as, as, a, as a successful one. Um, but the guaranteed income supplement, which is one of those building blocks, is, is often something you have to apply for separately in a form. And um, when we looked at the income of food bank clients, it was at least a few hundred dollars below that 1500 guarantee. So when we asked them, we actually sent out a survey to the intake workers and we said, ask people over 65, are, do you know about the guaranteed income supplement? Are you receiving it? If not, why not? Um, and the majority were not receiving it and the, most of them, so they didn't know about it. So there was a huge awareness issue about it. Um, and then another thing is there's also eligibility issues. Um, so a lot of people, if they haven't been in Canada for 10 years, aren't eligible. And then there was also administrative barriers for a lot of people. So um, accessing the forms, um, having to get the support needed, the one-on-one -on -one support needed for some of these complex forms that need to be filled out when you're applying for anything like this. So we saw a range of reasons, um, and it just shows the importance of, of some of uh, when you're when you're providing income is making sure people don't fall through the cracks and there's there's still work that needs to be done around and, making sure everyone can access this and what when you do see the senior clients do you now check to make sure that they're receiving what they are owed yeah so right now what we're trying to do is start a campaign and we're going to be posting um at our food bank saying do you need to access this do you know about this if not call call this number and we're trying to get more partnerships and, and trying to get people more on board with with helping us connect seniors to the income they're entitled to mm -hmm. you know libby i applied recently for my cpp because i'm getting to that magic age and i got the form yesterday in the in the or friday in the mail saying that i had been automatically approved for oas which uh which will come in september when i turn 65 it's four pages long of jargon on on eight by fourteen, and there's a little wee thing that says you may qualify for GIS. Well, you know what? I English is my first language. I, I I'm pretty you know I'm pretty uh, computer savvy. I just think of some people receiving that, and no wonder that they're not filling out the the forms properly. Okay, you know what? Um, there's somebody that I know really well who is working and doing very well past the age of 65, and he received something, and he's extremely literate. Mm -hmm. He received something from the government which showed that he quit his job actually before he ever started it several years ago, and he has been spending hours and hours and hours trying to correct that, and it's not going so well. <laughs> Well, I, I have and, to and this person like has too. a PhD, so <laughs> so it, it's not the problem on his end. So beyond that, a lot of people probably don't even know. It's, why is it so hard to deal with government agencies? What are they doing? <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's a, a really good question. And if there's one thing that government could do, uh, would be to simplify this pro process because the process is pretty cumbersome as somebody who's not applying for GIS but applying for CPP and, and OAS. They've made all kinds of errors, and, you know, I've spent time on the phone as well. So Okay, yes, and you're going to be spending more time on the phone, presumably? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, um, 
It, it, it's uh, it's something you know. Maybe uh, uh, carp can help with that because, uh, gee, I mean, it it just it really is a barrier. This kind of bureaucracy. It certainly is. And I think I think we're finding out, and even in the um, uh, basic income program in Ontario, they're doing the pilot. Um, and there was a story released yesterday that showed some of the um, administrative barriers some people are trying to to do to to access the pilot to, to to participate. So I think when when we're looking at the future, and as we're kind of looking at redesigning our social security system and and looking at these things, we got to take in consideration like uh, administrative complexity. We have to look at who delivers it. Does the federal government on its own have the capacity to deliver something like this? There has to be municipal partners. There has to be nonprofits at the table. There needs to be a lot of outreach. So it, it's it's all a very important learning process as we learn from mm-hmm. I mean, okay, let's I know this is a big hypothetical, but if everybody got the things that they are entitled to, how much would the number of food bank users be reduced? Well, I think it, w- it would definitely have an impact. Um, right now, I, I, on a couple on a couple levels, we see that. That if people had a few hundred dollars more, then perhaps they wouldn't need to access the food bank at all, if as much. On the other hand, though, we see with with the, the all the income they're entitled to, even still, we have people who would are fighting with these rapidly rising housing costs. They're dealing with medications. They're dealing with other things that that kind of come up out of the blue. Well, so medications we be- are covered. For not people, all of them. Not no, all of them. There's still, I know, well, and certainly in some they're still paying $2, and if you're receiving 10 medications per month, uh, that adds up pretty quickly. Uh, for seniors, that can be pretty expensive on low income, even if they're paying this $2 nominal fee, which some do. Well, yeah, um, they're waived in a lot of places. I guess that's uh, something else people should know about. Absolutely. So it all depends. Yeah. Um, and uh, so uh, the thing about... Um, rent and rapidly rising housing costs, there were a bunch of measures that were just brought in. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you expect that to play out and, and help the situation? Oh, it certainly could. So one thing that we're looking for with the national housing strategy, we're calling on the feds to uh, implement a national portable housing benefit. And that would be something that would help be help tenants, including seniors, afford their housing. Um, I also think, and I agree with Richard, I think the some of the provincial measures that are going to make it more difficult for a landlord to kick some senior out that's been there for 20 years because, you know, he's he's on a rent, uh, like with uh, rent control, he's only, you know, getting uh, one or two percent increase. But what, what, what the government saw happening is that people were saying they wanted the apartment for themselves when, in fact, all they wanted to do was get the person out who had been there a long time so that they could raise the rent $300. And uh, certainly there's been some measures introduced that will make it harder to do that. Right. So, I mean, I, I would expect that that would have an, in, an impact. I certainly hope it does. <laughs> uh-huh. And so, so you're saying you want to see a kind of a national rollout of that kind of thing? Well, but the government, the federal government now is looking at the possibility of a housing benefit that's portable, that go that goes with the person based on income, and we're hoping that they do implement something like that. Okay, uh, let's take a call from uh, Lily in Toronto. Hi, Lily. Hi, how are you today? Fine, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. I just wanted to note that um, my brother would be using that service, the food bank service, if it wasn't for me, <laughs> it's because he's an alcoholic. 
He hasn't worked in many years. So alcoholism is is like a disease, right? But he's not getting any help for that. And um, he has no income. I think he gets like 466 bucks a month from the government, the city welfare. So, I mean, I have to pay his rent. I have to buy his food, get him a phone, and, um, you know, entertainment. So the basic cable package just to keep him occupied, fed, housed, off the street. And uh, my rent's going up. My costs are going up, and it's getting harder and harder to keep two households going on one paycheck. And uh, I don't even know how to use the food bank system to for him to access it uh, when things come, you know, push to shove. So maybe uh, I can figure out how to do that. Do you just go there and ask them? Or? Yeah. Well, Lily, call call the Daily Bread number and tell them where you live and where your brother lives, and they'll give you the uh the, the name of the local food bank and how to get there and what you should you know what you need to bring which is bags and and just uh, you know let tell them what you're uh, what you need and they'll they'll serve you. It's as it's as simple as that. You're it not is a as bunch simple as that. Fill out or There'll be an intake worker who will ask you a few questions around income and stuff like that, but not to qualify you just so that we can get a picture because the results that Richard's, uh, you know, writes in the in the report, a lot of it comes from statistics. That's how we can uh, figure out, you know, what the increases are, what the age group, but nobody is going to ask you intrusive questions. Okay, I mean, it's, it would be him that would have to apply, right? Because, I mean, as I said, I'm still working. I'm in my 60s, yeah. and I'm still working trying to support two, two households, and it's getting very difficult. Yes. <laughs> well, certainly you could go yourself and get food for him if he's not able to do it, but uh, it, it would be better for him if he did it himself. Right, right. Okay, so it's it's not filling out a bunch of paperwork and all kinds of... No, it isn't. Grilling. No, <laughs> it isn't. We're, we're trying not to duplicate a lot of the barriers that we find in, in other places with, with getting people help because we know food is a right and we want people to be able to eat. Well, he's not even getting any help to, to with his alcoholism. It's, it's really, really very hard. He's, he's uh, hitting bottom now because I can't afford to support that habit, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess um, he has to. Somebody has to convince him to get some help. Yeah, that's for sure. And that's that can be very difficult on a family. Um, Lily, thank you so much for telling us your story. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye bye. Bye bye. Um, That uh, brings another question, and that is um, uh, the number of people uh, with some kind of mental illness or addiction uh, who have to access food banks because uh, the underlying problem isn't being treated. Certainly we see that every day. I mean, it's not it's not the overwhelming majority, but certainly mental illness and addictions are, are part of uh, the, the clientele we serve. And I think we have to look at the impact of, of the recession had when people lost their jobs and changing sectors after a certain point was very difficult. And the city is noticing an unprecedented increase in the number of people uh, on, in Ontario works. Um, for longer periods of time, primarily older uh, clients between the 45 to 64 age range. And that toll that takes being out of the labor market for increasingly long periods of time takes on your health, your physical, mental health. Um, and the, the, the living on that level of income, that's so low, and barely being able to manage on that, that takes a huge toll on people. 
Okay, yeah, let's, uh, we have time for one more call. Let's go to William here in Toronto. Hi, William. Uh, uh, Kathleen Wynne said uh, the economy is improving and the interest rates went up higher because of it, so why are people going to the food banks? And um, okay, thanks for your call. I'll, uh, you. I'll uh, let our guests uh, answer. That's kind of uh, what we've been discussing all this time. Yeah. Yeah. But well, uh, just to well, sum it up. People are not. Yeah. Pardon? The economy might be doing well, but many people are not. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, this, this speaks to the, the, the limitations of the current economic indicators. So unemployment rates, um, uh, they, they may be lower uh, and, and, and the economy might be doing well, but we're seeing the people we're seeing have fallen out of the labor market, an aging population, uh, people with disabilities, and also people who are having, who are in, who might be employed, but it's, it's part-time employment, casual employment. It's not employment that can manage these sudden increases in the cost of living like we've been seeing in Toronto. Yeah, and Gail, what would you like to leave us with? Uh, I, th- I, th- I think Richard said it, and that is when you hear that the economy is doing well, you know, unpack it and take a look because people in it aren't doing well. Uh, And there's just something that I would like to leave our audience with, and that is that, you know, we can't rely on government to do everything and uh, helping out the food bank, making a donation is, is a great way to use your charitable dollar. Just putting that out there. Thank you for that, Libby. (laughs) Okay, uh, Gail Nyberg and Richard Matern, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We have been talking about an alarming increase in the use of food banks, especially among older people over 65 and the reasons for that. And uh, we're going to continue with that theme for a little bit. If you would like to weigh in on it, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And uh, next, we are going to talk about the case of two brothers who used to own their own construction business. They were hardworking contractors, but one of them was the victim of a shooting back in 2011, and that changed everything because since then, they have been unable to get back on their feet. Business-wise, you can understand how devastating something like that can happen. And um, Joey is willing to share his story because he also wants to see the stigma of this removed. Joey, how are you? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing us. fine, Libby. How are you today? Fine. So please tell us your story. Well, you, you said it in a nutshell there. You know, me and my brother, we were had a, a business together and we were doing well. You know, we, we had a house and we both had our vehicle and we had work vehicles. But then one day, you know, two teenagers with a gun uh, changed our life forever. And what happened? What, uh, your brother uh, was my the... brother was a victim of a carjacking, and uh, the end result, um, they shot him and left him in the street for dead. That's so awful. Fortunately, you know there were people around, so nine one one was called, and the paramedics arrived quickly. He was rushed off to St. Michael's Hospital, and they saved him. Um, because of the shooting. Uh, he spent a year, close to a year, in hospital. Um, after that, 
Um, he had a couple years of rehab, and you know, during that period of time, I couldn't uh, maintain the business myself. We started falling deeper into debt. We used up uh, all our savings, and before you know it, we were um, devastated. We were on a very limited fixed income. He is now on government assistance. I work uh, part-time when I can, but you know, um, we just find it very difficult to make ends meet now. You're his caregiver, After right? Granting utilities, there's not much money left to uh, play with. You're his caregiver, right? I do. I, I, I act as his primary caregiver. So that limits what you can do in the workforce. Exactly. In the first couple of years after uh, he was released from hospital, I could not leave him uh, because, you know, he was um, uh, he, from hospital. He was in a wheelchair. Um, then he had to go to rehab. And eventually, as his uh, strength started returning, uh, but, you know, he, he, he needed round-the-clock care. So, um, uh, yes, I, I could not uh, keep down a full-time job myself. So we were living on mostly our savings. Our savings got um, absorbed. Uh, you know, eventually we, we couldn't make our mortgage payments, and the bank foreclosed on our house. We couldn't keep up the payments on, on a car. We lost our cars. You know, and we just found ourselves uh, in dire needs. And uh, how old are you and your brother? Um, myself, I'm 63, and my brother is younger than me. He's 51, but, um, you know, I'm now the sole provider. And and it's not that easy to find work when you're 63, let's be no, honest. No, it isn't. That's, that's the, the thing that I discovered is that, People um, don't um, look at your application. They look at your age, you know, and they consider, well, you know, you're, you're going to retire in a few years. Um, why should I hire you? And um, how, uh, how does the food bank help you? Well, that's, that's the case. You know, um, um, when you're left at the end of the month with just a, a little bit of money, and that money has to go for food, but, you know, the costs of things are, are just so astronomical these days. You don't realize it when, when you're working, uh, but when you're on a very limited income, then you start noticing uh, how expensive things are. So a food bank, a food bank helps subsidize. They're, 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 they're not paying for all my groceries, but they do help me um, stretch my food dollar. Mm-hmm. So they're uh, performing an important service for you. And, and, you know, you're doing your best. You're working as much as you can. You have nothing to be ashamed of. No, but, you know, there, is, there was in the beginning, there, um, people did recommend that I, I use a food bank. But I felt there was a stigma attached to a food bank that, you know, they were for uh, more skidrow type people. Eventually, it just got to a point where, you know, um, I had to go, and I was surprised at um, at the number of people and the, the 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 demographics of people that have to use food banks. Mostly, it's it's people my age, seniors, they're living on uh, limited income, you know, and they they have to use a food bank. Uh huh. And um, what would you 
What would you like to leave us with? Uh, I mean, what would you like to tell our audience about your experience of this? Um, well, my experience is, is, is that, you know, there, it's beneficial. It's a beneficial um, program, uh, very beneficial to a lot of people. People, um, seniors on fixed income, um, single parent families that, that are on government assistance, uh, people of disability. Um, these are all people that have uh, limited income and they need a service like this. Uh, without it, you know, they, they go hungry and hunger is not um, a good thing to deal with. Yeah, you know, um, Joey, I, I really want to thank you for sharing your story with us. I think it's very important for us to hear this. Well, thank you. Very, thank you for listening. Okay. Joey, thank you so much. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye you now. too. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.